0: I would wake up and my husband's arms would be around me and I'd breathe for a few seconds before somehow finding myself underwater again and again, battling to breathe, like this just can't be happening, this isn't real. You are listening to the Synergy Women podcast, brought to you by women's resilience coach, Nikki Hamilton. Nikki offers expertise in women's health and has an inspiring passion for helping women navigate through grief and life's challenges to help transform and build resilience with grace, courage, and authenticity. Each episode, she will explore an aspect of women's health, offering you insights on ways to build your body, your mind, and your heart health to help you rise up with resilience. In this episode, we will explore mind and heart health for women. Welcome and thanks very much for joining me. My name is Nikki Hamilton, Women's Resilience Coach and Founder of Synergy Women. And what I'd really love uh, to spend some time exploring today are the stages of grief and perhaps redefining this a little bit. Because uh, we've all heard of the different stages of grief. So uh, denial, anger, uh, eventually leading to acceptance. And I remember reading the stages of grief and really having it not really resonate with me too well in that I found myself flipping around from one to another there wasn't a really a clear pathway and perhaps uh, that is how grief is but I'd like to share just a few ideas on what I believe to be the stages of grief. Uh, So the first stage of grief that occurs for many people I will liken to drowning. Perhaps it fits in with the denial or disbelief stage but I can recall sort of in my own journey when we first discovered that our son had passed away, the complete and utter disbelief that this isn't real, and I remember saying again and again, "This isn't real. This isn't real. This this can't be happening." And I have a very clear image of that time of uh, time starting to warp. I remember seeing my husband leaning up against a wall in the hospital room, and the wall. Uh, a bit like a Dali painting started to dissolve. I had people coming and going from the hospital room. I lost track of time. And over that period of time, I kept having the vision of myself sinking underwater and being surrounded at 360 degrees to infinity of this deep, painful, heavy water where I was completely unable to breathe, so drowning. And I do recall at that time having multiple occasions where trying to surface, I would wake up and my husband's arms would be around me and I'd breathe for a few seconds before somehow finding myself underwater again and again battling to breathe. Like this just can't be happening, this isn't real. So, and this phase, how long does this last? Everyone always asks, how long does grief last? How long does it last? For me, this phase of drowning, because it was mixed in with trauma and I experienced brain fog, memory loss, so many different things that I struggled through at this time. This period of drowning in actual fact lasted several months for me. What I did find during this time, in this drowning period, where you feel like you can't surface, where you feel like you're struggling to breathe and then and, and perhaps there's no answer and how are you ever going to survive this? And that's the question that I often found myself asking, how am I going to survive? is that in actual fact there are many life rafts that appear and I recall having the image in my mind of a beautiful lake with a mountain behind it and reflection in the lake was the mountains reflection and the depth of that lake is where I was and the mountain on the other side was the level of kindness that I saw and felt around me And it's these small pieces of kindness from many other people around you during this time that will act as a life raft and bore you through. And there's almost no, um, I don't think there's a method to get through this phase. It's just hold on tight and allow kindness to support you. And kindness will come from the strangest of places. Uh, Perfect strangers that will knock on your door and give you a bunch of flowers. I had A friend from high school who I hadn't spoken to for 20 years suddenly sent me the most beautiful card uh, and beautiful message and I just thought oh thank you and it's all these little pieces of kindness that you experience during this drowning phase that kind of bore you through that offer that little life raft so you can breathe momentarily and experience and receive that kindness so you can breathe and that is part of what guides you through that phase So how long that lasts, that drowning phase is gonna be very dependent on your story, your individual story, and the trauma perhaps that surrounds it. Uh, And I I think during that phase, for me, I lost all track of time. I, I didn't know what day it was. I spent a lot of time in bed. And what I didn't realize in actual fact was that many weeks had passed before I started to really surface. And I think the first real sense of being able to breathe again, came for me probably three or four months later. My husband had taken us uh, on a trip to Queenstown in New Zealand, I don't know if any of you have been there but it's absolutely stunning, so beautiful the scenery, the nature, Uh, it's lovely. And we were walking along the lake shoreline and there's a big boat uh, in the centre of Queenstown in the lake, it's a tourist boat but tourists hop on board and they take a trip out into the middle of the lake and have lunch and it's a nice day out and I remember walking along the shoreline and uh, seeing this boat uh, set sail and slowly but surely gradually become more distant like it was heading toward the horizon and it was really at that point in time that I got this sense of like oh time's passed time has passed and the last time I knew my son was alive was back in February 12th and it's now May and that time is forevermore going to be further away from me and I'm, I'm getting further and further apart and I had this real sense of longing and despair but at the same time knowing that I need to start I don't know getting back on track a little if I can because I'd lost, lost myself essentially for those three to four months So time passes and that's one of the shocking things I think in that first period of drowning is that you can't believe that life continues. I have a really strange recollection of driving home from the hospital empty handed and as we were driving down our road seeing a man riding on a push bike eating an ice cream and I was confused. It was like, don't you know that the whole world has caved in last night? Like I was expecting to see catastrophic surroundings but there were people that were still continuing on their day it was very very strange surreal feeling and i think toward the end of the drowning stage you suddenly start to get a sense of like okay time is passing um it's time to start to figure out how i can move forward which brings you into the next phase so from drowning the next phase i call climbing up a steep stand dune other people have called it walking through mud But for me, it was like a steep sand dune. And that steep sand dune for me was essentially like trying to fix myself. I felt like I was constantly climbing. And when you're climbing up a steep sand dune, and for some people, it's a bit like perhaps climbing up as a deep uh, snow drift where you kind of take a step but then slide back and then take another step and then slide back and then keep going and taking it steps and you're slow but surely getting a bit exhausted but you still wanna get somewhere but you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Um, and so this is what I call the next phase of grief for me. And so climbing up a steep sand dune essentially meant that I was really just trying to feel better. I was tired of being sad. I was try- tired of feeling grief and lonely and despair and all of those things. So I thought, right, it's time to see if I can help myself. And so I sought the help of counsellors and I'll say I went through four counsellors. I I have to say I never really went that well with counselling, not to say that there's not great counsellors out there, but I just tended to find that reiterating my story again and again, I would leave the counselling session and sit in the car and cry. So counselling didn't go so well for me. I sought the help of support groups, so women who had been in similar circumstances to myself and I have to say I did find some comfort in support groups in knowing that there were other people around me that understood Uh, so that was nice but it didn't really fix me. I tried uh, learning mindfulness meditation, eventually became a mindfulness meditation teacher uh, which was a great tool but again it didn't really fix me. It felt like I was just trying harder and harder and harder to get somewhere. I tried running, swimming, uh, diving in the ocean, uh, prayer, I read a whole lot of Buddhist texts and all of these things uh, gave me a little bit of assistance I guess but I still felt like I was climbing a steep sand dune and in this period of time I found myself constantly ruminating you know, what could I have done to change the outcome? I had a background narrative of self-blame, like maybe if I'd just done this or that, maybe uh, if the day before I'd seen the doctor, maybe if, so all of the scenarios that if I could have changed this or had changed that, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. And that background feeling of self-blame, drove part of this and I don't think that self-blame really benefited me uh, in any way because there's actually nothing that I could have done but I think it's a very natural reaction that happens. Don't go away we've got more Synergy Women coming up but first let's take a quick break Would you like to learn more about the Rise Up Method and how it can help offer you a clear framework to overcome life's challenges? See our website synergywomen.com.au So that climbing a steep sand dune, uh, ruminating with self-blame, trying to find answers, uh, again, essentially was me just trying to fix my grief. And uh, Tony Robbins has a, a quite a good um, piece of information that I read about your blueprint. And your blueprint in life is essentially what you picture your life as you would like it to be and where you are. And what I wanted was to feel happy, to feel joy, and to feel enthusiastic again. And instead, I was feeling like a huge hole in my heart, the size of a universe that no one could see or feel, and it was heavy, and I found myself constantly sad, and I was tired of being sad. And where I wanted to be, happy, joy-filled, enthusiastic, uh, having energy again, and where I actually was, were two really distant places, they were just too far apart. And as soon as those two places are too far apart, it creates anxiety, Uh, you can create a whole range of mental health uh, problems, simply because you're trying to get somewhere where you're actually not. And I read a really nice quote from Pima Chodron, I hope I've pronounced her name correctly, a Buddhist monk, who I recall reading said, start where you are. Let's start where you are. And it was in moments of climbing this steep sand dune that occasionally I would just let myself sit down for a bit and just go, well, this is where I am. I wake up today, uh, this is how I feel. This is where I am and this is all I can do. And this is where I'm starting. So I would highly recommend if you're in the steep sand dunes phase where you're uh, maybe ruminating about what you could or couldn't have done or should or shouldn't have done, and I know I've said this quote before, but Martini's quote, whatever you have or have not done, you're worthy of love, is a really important thing to remember at this phase. But the other important thing to remember in this phase is to just take a seat from time to time. Like the constant climbing leaves you exhausted. So taking a seat, and I heard so many times, be kind to yourself during this phase. Be kind to yourself. And I, I kind of got sick of, I have to say, I kind of got sick of hearing it uh, because to me it was like, what does that mean, being kind to myself? I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. And so, but I I kind of understand it now in that um, being kind to yourself essentially means accepting where you are. No one expects you to be happy, joy-filled, enthusiastic, conquering the world uh, when you're going through this. And I kind of expected it of myself, I will say. So knowing that uh, climbing a steep sand dune, if you can just take little moments just to take a seat, I'm not saying don't climb, uh, because in actual fact, climbing the sand dune for me gave me uh, an opportunity to explore different things that I did find uh, helped myself and for everybody that those things are different. So it does give the opportunity to find your strengths, uh, build some resilience, figure out what works for you. But at the same time, uh, you probably need to also allow some rest time and some pause time uh, if you can on that sand dune. So pause, rest, allow yourself just to start where you are. Uh, is an important thing. And I do recall during this phase, so many different emotions that I was struggling with. I felt like I had a big chain around me and that chain had resentment, it had anger, it had grief, it had jealousy. I was jealous of other women and their children and their families. Uh, All of these emotions were like this heavy chain around my heart that I was trying to carry around and trying to get rid of without acting out on it. Uh, And that's a challenge. And I think the challenge is sometimes met with a little bit of rest and allowing yourself simply just to sit down. So that's the climbing a steep stand, sand dune phase. So we go from uh, drowning to climbing a steep, stand, steep sand dune. The next phase, it sounds terrible, uh, the next phase I found myself in was the phase of what I call the black hole and it does sound uh, pretty desperate and I think I was pretty desperate. I think at that stage I had run out of energy to climb. I found, I felt like I was getting nowhere. I had looked after every aspect of my health that I could think of. I had tried every avenue and I still hadn't fixed my grief. And I found myself in a place where I was simply lacking energy, listless, like I had nothing left. And enter the big black hole and some will liken it to depression. I'm not sure that grief and depression are the same thing in my opinion, but I guess the symptoms are probably very similar. It's almost like I lost all energy and lost all hope and just stopped trying. But there's a beautiful saying, uh, and that saying is, it's always darkest before the dawn. And I believe it's in this phase of complete darkness that I just learnt to be still. I learned that when I did have periods of emotions that would bubble up resentment or anger or despair I found myself I just light an incense and lie down in the back garden and watch the incense burn and just say to myself once this incense is finished this feeling will have passed and it pretty much always did Uh, I learnt in that stillness that there's a little, little glimmer of light that happens in this dark still point, provided you ask the right questions and those questions start to bubble up and those questions are, how can I, how can I show out my connection with my loved one to the world? How can I live my life and honour my loved one? How can I make sense of what's happened uh, and turn this pain into a purpose? So learning to shine out the little piece within you that is your loved one that resides there in your heart. How are you gonna shine that out? How are you gonna turn this pain into a purpose and learn to give out to other people as a result of what you've experienced? How can you honor the one that you've lost? Honor your loved one. And it's in these moments of dark stillness that a little beacon of light starts to shine and starts to give you some answers. So it was in these moments of complete and utter stillness and complete and utter darkness that I did come up with some answers for myself. And I think every person that travels this pathway has different answers. But in actual fact, those answers for me started to become brighter and that light, shone through in my heart out into many different areas in my life and I found myself starting to uh, I don't I don't want to say recover uh, because I don't think it's something that you can fix but my journey changed going from drowning to climbing a steep sand dune uh, and through the, bla- the deep black hole uh, I hope these three phases of grief have resonated with you and that you have a maybe a better understanding of um, what I believe to be the grief process And whichever phase of grief that you're currently in, you have to hold and know that it will pass. Even though you feel like it's never gonna pass, it does pass. And there are some key gifts that each phase will give you. So the key gifts are number one, if you're currently drowning, the gifts that you will receive from this period of time in your life is the displays of absolute kindness that there are in the world. There's so much kindness and suddenly that kindness like that mirror reflection in the lake of the mountain it it reflects your grief and will bore you through and if you can write down and remember all those magic moments of kindness they'll resonate in your heart for the rest of your life and so that is the gift of drowning is understanding that the world is really a kind place and uh, you too can give out in kindness uh, when you're ready to give and When you're drowning, in actual fact, it's your time to receive. (sighs) If you're climbing the steep sand, dune, this period of time, again, feels exhausting, like you're trying to fix things, and I understand that. The gift of this time is that you'll find what works for you. You'll find your strength. You'll find you have more courage than you thought, even humanly possible. You'll find uh, a resilience within you that you didn't know existed. And this is the gift of this phase, even though it feels like it's never ending and that you'll never climb out. In actual fact, uh, the journey itself will give you so many gifts that you will take forward from this period of time. The last piece of grief, the dark hole. This is the little glimmer of hope that starts to shine through. And if you're in that place now, my suggestion is to ask good questions. Just be completely still, allow yourself to feel everything that it is that you need to feel, it will pass. But in being completely still and facing it and not dodging it and not trying to run away from it and not trying to fix it, but just to sit in it and sit with it and be with it. Uh, In actual fact, you'll find a little jewel. And the questions to ask would be, How can I shine out as a piece of my loved one that's within my heart? How can I shine that out in a way that benefits the world? How can I turn this pain around into a purpose to benefit other people? Uh, How can I honour my loved one? These are the questions to ask in this phase because in complete stillness, answers start to come through for yourself and a really important quote I think or a really important thing to remember in this phase is that stars can't shine without darkness they really can't so I do hope this has resonated with you my name is Nikki Hamilton I'm a women's resilience coach and founder of Synergy Women I really look forward to sharing more with you in the future on different podcasts and through my website but For now, if you are going through a grief stage, I do hope that these three phases and some ideas of what you might take from each of these phases uh, helps uh, buoy you and guide you through. Thank you. If you like what you've heard, it'd be great if you could rate and review this podcast from wherever you are listening. And don't forget to click subscribe so you'll be notified when we release our next episode.